0: Welcome to my Big Safety Challenge, a podcast all about stories of safety leadership, presented by Dale Carnegie and the Board of Certified Safety Professionals.
1: Tiffany, in in all these different people that we've talked to, we find we talk to people who are individuals and who are different. Is there a room in the world of safety to have differences uh, as in personalities and people?
2: Yes, differences are embraced because there are different ways to approach safety, there are different ways to interact with different groups or the same groups. And I think that's where safety really comes together to be impactful is when you can visibly see the differences and then you can collaborate on those differences to actually make a difference.
1: And that's the beauty of, uh, of safety professionals. Don't have to be like this cookie cutter, no. that we all have to be the exact same way. We're aiming towards similar goals, but people need to realize who they are. They're made that way, and they need to enhance those strengths. And I believe you're going to see somebody today that's got some really intriguing strengths that they bring to the table.
2: Yes. So our net guest is Jay Harf. Jay, welcome to the podcast. How are you today?
3: Thank you for having me. I'm great. It's great to be here. Great to talk with you both, Merle and Tiffany. And, uh, you know, just excited to exchange this banter and and talk about safety because it's something I love to do. And I'm grateful for the opportunity today. So thank you both.
2: Wonderful. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now, what your role consists of, how long you've been doing it, so that our listeners can get a better understanding of of your impact to safety right now.
3: Sure, sure, I'm uh, starting my 28th year in uh, environmental health and safety. I work for Xylem Incorporated, which is a global water infrastructure company right now. I'm with Xylem for about, coming up on 18 months now, and I've been with them prior to Xylem. I was with L'Oreal mm-hmm. uh, Cosmetics for 14 years. And prior to that, I was with Johnson Controls for seven and and McLennan for seven out of uh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and now Allentown, Pennsylvania. So I'm, I'm back to where I'm born and raised almost.
2: Nice. So those are some great organizations you've worked for. And in your current role, what is your exact title and um, what is your day-to-day responsibilities consist of?
3: Yep, my exact title is Vice President of Global Environmental Health, Safety, and Operations uh, Sustainability. And, uh, you know, my mission is to protect and and serve the, all of our people and their families at Xylem. I think um, that is what I'm put on this earth to do. Uh, and my birthday is actually April 28th, which is uh, National Memorial Worker Day. And, um, so I, I figured that out later in my career, but now I can say I was actually born uh, to be in this business, believe it or not. So um, but but my mission is to protect our people, take them, send them home the same way they came to work back to their families and their loved ones, and also, you know, guarantee uh, an environment of uh, governance for not only regulatory compliance with the environment, but improving on the sustainability of our operations with regards to wastewater and carbon dioxide and our footprint on the Earth, because quite honestly, uh, That part of my role is treating the earth as if we want to stay. Mm. And that's what I'm working on day to day.
1: Now, Jay, you are a person with real purpose and real direction in that statement. What does that do for you every day to have that purpose you're aiming for? How does that just affect life and living for you?
3: Well, I I love what I do, Merle. Like, to, to be honest, I think COVID exposed me more than anything in in understanding um, that that being alone in, in an office environment at my home I, I began to realize really quick, although I was, I was like everybody else, a little scared about what was happening with COVID, a, a little bit of fear, mm-hmm. uh, never having anything like this in my career. Uh, but as you work through the things uh, that are needed to protect people with the information that's coming, you start to find out, um, I, I like to be a part of, of, of a neighborhood, of a collaboratory uh, environment with people and, and seeing people every day. Don't get me wrong, I love my family, I love to see them every day. They maybe not, didn't love to see me every day working from home uh, uh, all the time. That certainly. But you seem like dynamic. you get
1: energized by people and in interacting I do. with them. Good.
3: I do. Uh, I, I found out that I, I love people, uh, and, and that's what I'm here to do. It's a, it's my mission, my passion, my purpose. It's what excites me. It, it It's fun for me, and, and I enjoy it. And I think that's a, a, a reason that I'm doing well in this profession and why I love it so much.
1: Jay, there are some people that mean so well – they get so wrapped up in the details and the paperwork and the forms and the regulations that they can forget the people. What's your experience with that?
3: I faced that coming out of college in 1995 because that's how you get your experience. And I think that's one of the things uh, and the challenges I had to overcome in my career which was, I got to learn all this stuff. I'm insecure as it is as a 22-year-old safety professional. You have to learn the regulations. You have to learn the system. You have to learn the risks. And I think that's uh, what I would call transactional leadership at some point. So what you just described to me, I see as a necessary part of the profession, which is transactional leadership. There's also transformational leadership to lead towards a vision And then ultimately, um, there's servant leadership. So I I get what you're putting down, Merle. You got to be careful not to lose sight of the human being. But I think in this profession, you got to have a little bit of that and learn from that um, as your career path grows, quite honestly, because it's part of the job.
2: So if you're talking to some of our listeners and and ho- I I I'm assured that what you're saying is resonating with some of the le- the listeners. Some are saying, "Yes, yes, this is exactly who I am." But there could very well be some listeners who are still through the duration of their of their career still very focused in the transactional Leadership of it, right? As Merle was saying, what made you turn the corner? Now, for you, it was evaluating kind of your personality and 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 figuring that out. What you figured it out, but for those who are still on their respective journeys of still trying to figure it out, taking all the assessments, all the tests, and if you were giving them a last ditch effort of how do you turn the corner to change your perspective? to focus on the people and be less transactional, what are some real critical tips that you can give them to help them turn that corner and realize this is about the people? It's not about your career and your trajectory of your career, it is truly about the people.
3: Well, one, play play to your strengths, right? I, I know that's not gonna answer your question right off the bat, uh, so let me just back up here. For sure, it, it, with your self-reflection and your self-understanding and educating who you are and what you do, you, you should naturally play to your strengths, one. Why? Because that's where you're going to get your joy from. That's where you're going to get your confidence One. That's that's where you're going to get your enthusiasm from. Uh, for me, it was with people. But to answer your question, I think you have to force yourself to be out of the office. And, and this is cliche, and I'm sorry up front for this you got to be on the factory floor or in the environment learning from people that you wouldn't normally learn from and i don't mean from from age i mean experience understanding what somebody does every day the ride along i'm learning things in the 28th year of my career from ride alongs with our service technicians that i didn't know existed Uh, I'm learning about bugs that uh, cause rashes that I've never even heard of in in North Carolina in Georgia for our service technicians. I'm talking to people, uh, all sizes, shapes and colors and political views. And I I will tell you, it doesn't mean a thing, somebody's political view when they're your employee. It doesn't mean a thing, what color they are, what race, creed, sexual orientation. Your mission is to protect them all. Mm. So you have to navigate uh, that no matter what your personal worldview is and know that no matter what I'm going to go out with you and make sure that you come home the same way you you went to work today and that is my mission and you know ultimately you have to force yourself to do that to interact with people to be a part of people so if you're insecure uh, you know having that people focus as a value system personally if you can if you're if you're mature enough or and can recognize that, then get after it and always be out in the field generating praise and being with people, making other people happy about the work they're doing, giving them praise, understanding their risk, listening, mostly listening to tell you the truth. Um, that is where you're going to find your 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 passion for people. Really, that's that would be my answer to your question, probably longer than you needed.
2: Now, this is
1: wonderful. But Jay, you were rattling off those principles. You were given those <laughs> principles, which are, you know, you're take, kind of taking my place here, which is good. I'm sorry, Mark. No, 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 that's good. That's even better when it comes from you. But Jay, here's a person. How can we help the person that says, but I just like my off I just like the security of this. It's hard for me. And, and I say that with compassion. How can mm-hmm. we help? What, what would you encourage somebody that's thinking that right now?
3: Well, uh, that might be part of what you're best at to serve people. And it's okay to do that, too. Maybe your, mich- uh, maybe your mission is to be in the office, to help improve management systems, to help with the transactional piece. Maybe that's the strength that you play to to be successful in the environmental health and safety field. And that is okay, too, because I got to tell you, um, You know, I'm down here in San Antonio this week going through lean manufacturing training, and my background, uh, even with a PhD, is is not strong in lean manufacturing training. And again, here I am, uh, 50 years old in this career and insecure yet again uh, about making sure I understand the process, the systems, the root causes and countermeasures. Um, to protect our, our company and our people in an environment, a heavy manufacturing environment that maybe is not playing to my strengths. So here I am again trying to learn and be an expert. But I got to tell you, there, there's a lot of transactional work with lean manufacturing to protect those people on the factory floor. Uh, I just took a great tour. If you ever get the chance, take a tour of the Toyota manufacturing experience in San Antonio, Texas, or up in um uh, Kentucky, Lexington,
1: Georgetown. Kentucky. Georgetown, right, right outside of Lexington. It's an experience.
3: Mm-hmm. It, it is an experience, and it's a best practice to see about how safety is integrated into operations. And there's a heavy amount of, um, of, of, of lean continuous improvement that is very transactional, but it also forces you to be transactional with the group of people. So I tell you all that to say, Look into lean manufacturing because you're going to do a lot of that trans- transactional work with others, and it may be something that you're so good at. That's how you contribute to others.
2: Yes, and the and the transactional does have definitively has its place. But one of the things that you pointed out, and I think that it is it it really um, needs to be highlighted in our conversation is that you are a consummate learner. And that even though you're feeling insecure about where you are in your knowledge of lean manufacturing, that you still jump in, you learn it, and then you are realizing that you thrive in uncomfortability, right? There is growth, (laughs) transformational growth when we are comfortable. When we are always navigating not just as safety professionals but any kind of professional in our sweet spot then there are so many blind spots that come into play and then we even are more comfortable but we we continue to exist in this uncomfortability because we don't want people to recognize our insecurities so we just stay. And and there's all these blind spots and you're only in this one little niche of safety as opposed to embracing it and acknowledging, look, I don't know this. It's not my sweet spot. It's not my niche. It's not what I'm an expert in. But let me, my my phrase used to be, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but let me go look into mm-hmm. that and then mm-hmm. go and do the research. And you have taken that to a whole nother level, Jay. So what could you tell the listeners when they find themselves? themselves in these areas of uncomfortability when they're forced. I mean, look, COVID, a lot of safety professionals were responsible for COVID. We were all uncomfortable. Um, what do you tell some of the listeners who are, you know, 28 years in their career and then they find themselves in a in a situation where they don't know anything about it?
3: Sure. Sure, and that is one of the challenges that I've had to overcome in my career. Mm -hmm. And if I could go back to 22 years old and Mm -hmm. and give the words I'm about to give you, Mm -hmm. um, it would be this, jump in with both feet, Mm -hmm. literally. Jump in and don't be afraid that you're gonna trip up uh, because ultimately your intentions are clear. You're in the safety profession. Uh, you don't want to make mistakes, but mistakes that help you learn, uh, th- those are things that I wish I would have done at 22, because mm. then I would have realized, oh, okay, maybe I should learn this a little bit more instead of shying away from it because I was so insecure. But look at, to your example, Tiffany, of COVID, I, mean, I know more about infectious disease now than, like, we all do in the profession, and we all learned a lot about COVID, um, and you're right, the safety professional We led that process, and we were counted on, and uh, we came through. There's no doubt in my mind, but we all had to jump in with both feet or else people were going to die. You have to experience adversity to get better, Mm -hmm. and so that's why I say jumping in with both feet into a situation you don't know what the answer is is going to make you better.
1: And, Jay, sometimes the safety professional has to guide people in some paths they don't understand, they don't really want to go into, but how foundational is it that they know they're valued and they're cared about? Would you talk about that for a moment?
3: Well, yeah. Uh, that you, said that you said that one of the most critical leadership words that I think safety professionals have to have and utilize is the word value. All right. That, that is one of the most important things a CEO can say or anybody who's into safety can say is that safety is a core value. Yes, sir. I value you, I value you and your family. It is my mission to take care of you, Merle, and you, Tiffany, if you work for me. Um, Value is a quintessential uh, uh, servant leadership word, quite honestly, and two, uh, what drives me nuts in my career is when somebody says safety is a very very important priority to me safety is our number one in priority that goes right through my skin i don't i guess i just want to vent now to you both because mm-hmm. when you tell me safety is your number one priority i instantly know you are full of it
2: mm-hmm.
3: okay because i know your priority is going to change every day and you've just signaled to me that uh well, safety is important to me today, but production is important to me tomorrow, and quality is important to me the next day. But and I want you to know if you work under me or for our team that you're we're gonna live and breathe safety as DNA to protect you every day as best we possibly can. And, and uh, Jay,
1: that's where I think that's a critical thing because we would not say ethics are our number one priority.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. ethics are foundational. They have to be interwoven all the way through. And it's some people say, well, you're just kind of splitting hairs by saying it's it's not a priority, it's a value. But when you get to the essence of it, it's so vital to do it that way.
3: It is a mindset, but most importantly, it's part of your heart. And and when you're leading with your heart and your mind and, and together with that word, you're going to be very successful in how you influence people. They will trust you. They will trust you. They will listen to you. And they will know your intent uh is good and if you meet your commitments in addition to that boy they'll really trust you
1: jay there are a few individuals though that can try a person's soul (laughs) and work how's that for a night how's that for (laughs) For their
2: soul i don't want to answer whatever's
3: coming out of your mouth
2: now so we want to know
1: about some of those we don't want any names but how'd you deal work with an individual that was just testy
3: the best thing I could tell you is you're 100% responsible for how you react to what happens to you. Wow. Everyone else is 0% responsible. So it is up to you, not the other person, uh, to find that common ground, um, I, you know, with the exception of somebody might might be putting others in an imminent danger situation. Uh, I can write that person off pretty quick, uh, career-wise in my mind, and probably would later in uh, my career. but. I think it's it, it's all up to you. It's up to you, Merle, on how you react to what happens to you from somebody else. Everyone else is not responsible. You're responsible, and how you choose to overcome that problem is solely up to you, and quite honestly, risk-based decisions protect people, and, and that's how you deal with it, I think.
1: I think the cliche we often hear, Jay, is, well, don't take it personal, but it's really pretty hard. What would you tell the safety professional who I mean, they're giving it their best shot, they're trying for the well-being, and and they're just getting pushed back. How do they mentally deal with that?
3: Be relentless in your approach. Like Take take the Carnegie principles, principles, give praise. Don't let go if you feel it's going to protect somebody and keep them from getting hurt. Find every possible way that you can get through to that person from a mentoring standpoint. Find a mentor. A mentor and coach. You know, I don't want to confuse the two. They're very, they're two different, mm-hmm. two different um, uh, styles of learning. The mentor is going to help you find solutions and give you experience. The coach is going to ask you to solve that problem mm-hmm. for sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, don't. Con- I don't want to confuse the two, but y- you have to be a relentless in your approach and never ever quit trying there's no easy answer to what you just asked me all i can tell you is you be relentless because at the end of the day you'll regret it if somebody gets hurt on your watch i sit on the board of certified safety professionals as their treasurer right now and so i can't tell you enough how important it is uh, to go after those professional certifications whether it's in safety accounting sustainability You name it, but I'm a big proponent of the certified safety professional designation and a few others that the BCSP offers. And I didn't pass my test the first time around when I came out, but I knew I was going to get better myself and my standing within the organization by getting those professional designations. One. Two, uh, right out of the gate, when you're working for that company um, that might be saying, hey, uh, I just want to stay out of jail, I would look into their tuition reimbursement policy right out of the gate i would find out what you can do with regards to your master's program um uh any like for me right now i'm looking at lean certification or your internal um learning management system what can you take for free into inside the company or outside the company um to get ahead with your knowledge and your skill set to position yourself should you not want to stay with that company for that value of protecting uh, somebody from going to jail so right out of the gate, professional development, tuition reimbursement policy, uh, all of my designations and my masters and my PhD have been paid for by the companies I've nice. worked with because I've I've taken advantage of um, uh, the tuition reimbursement policies that the company offers them, get after it. So uh, build your skill set, build yourself as a professional. I will tell you, and this isn't just because we talked about it last week, Merle. Uh, I'm born and
1: raised. I think
3: the, the most important book I have in my bookshelf is by Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there, there's a few others. But um, What
1: that mean to you, Jay, that book?
3: It meant a lot because it, it, I felt for me personally, it validated me. Um, on how I interact with people. So do, did I have people skills that I think I, I might've thought I did at a young age, but I, I felt like that book validated me because uh, you always want to hear your name. You always want to hear praise. You always want to work with positive people who are who even if you make a mistake or say, well, let me, let me yeah. this is how I, I think you should do it in the future and a, yeah. a good mentor. And that principle
1: um, is use encouragement, make the fault yes. seem easier to correct. Man, Correct. Correct. is that's not made for, for our profession because people do make some mistakes. And so we say, okay, let's dust it off and go after it again. All wow. the time. And you learn those things in them. that book. <laughs> yeah. So you just, I think you're saying invest in yourself, take advantage. Don't just get stagnant. Don't just whine that you don't like, but, but grow develop yourself, and you may have to take the initiative, sometimes of your own, yeah.
3: Yeah, I didn't like driving uh, an, an hour and a half for two years uh, to do my master's to, from Philadelphia to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I certainly didn't like doing my PhD for eight and uh, driving up and down the road for five hours once a week. Uh, you know, that's grinding hard uh, intense work. You know, you have a family, you're trying to work life balance, um, but you will never regret it when you further educate yourself. And I, I think that applies to, to any trade, not just health and safety.
1: Jay, uh, something you said a little bit ago here too. Many of us are afraid of making mistakes. Now, I know that as a safety professional, there are some things we have to be careful what we say and how we guide because we put people in situations if we're not careful, but sometimes in some of our, our situations, we're so hesitant. Oh, I don't want to fail at something. I don't want to try and not have it work. How do we need to look at mistakes? Let's talk about that for a second.
3: I, I come. To, I, I make a lot of mistakes personally, professionally. Um, I, I you know, you gotta you gotta fall forward. I think mm-hmm. Denzel Washington on YouTube says a lot, fall forward or fail forward, one yeah. of those two. And um, it, it's not about making a mistake. That's not the problem. Everybody makes mistakes. It's how you respond and react to the mistakes that make you uh, good at what you do, great at, 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 in life, moving forward. It's how you respond to those mistakes that's important. You,
1: you know, if you never failed, you never tried.
3: Right? I say that all the time about... Uh, hiring people. um, You've never made a mistake if you've never hired anyone. And um, sometimes you make big mistakes because you miss on a hiring process. You hire the wrong person that you thought was great. And, uh, you know, but sometimes you make uh, great mistakes that work out in your benefit that you didn't even realize. So, um, you know, it's better to try than not try at all. Right.
2: I want to kind of get some clarity on the hiring because I think that's important, right? That's not just important from us for us to be um, successful in the programs that we were running in an organization. But it's also success it, it's important in in filling the pipeline and ensuring that we're putting opportunities and, and correction for that new cohort that's you know new to the to the industry or new to the field of EHS and how we can uh, shapeshift them to make sure that they are successful. So when you're talking about hiring mistakes or hiring, do you hire for personnel skills or aptitude specific to EHS? What are some of the trends that you hire to that the young listeners can kind of focus on and realize, well, I can be successful in this if I know A, B, C and D to do?
3: For sure, I think that's a great question. Um, Sustainability is certainly on the forefront now. We're looking more for, you know, we want a well-rounded safety professional and we want somebody that that knows the books, knows the code, the regulatory environment for for safety or environment, depending on the position you're hiring for. But we need everybody to, want to be part of something bigger with with regards to sustainability so developing your sustainability skill set um and understanding the principles of the importance of reducing waste reducing water use reducing uh emissions by going green that's pretty important for sustainability of companies one so we're we're looking for some of that we're looking for the people that want to work with people hmm. but you know uh, we, we're looking for that skill set um it, it, sometimes it's hard to evaluate that and that's where we've made mistakes yeah oh, this person's technically great uh, they can really work in that transactional workforce but I wanted somebody to work for out out on the floor influencing people in a in a heavy industrial say um, environment and that's where I've missed sometimes like, oh, the, the credentials are great but I didn't spend enough time uh, on on the emotional intelligence to people skills but also nowadays with, with the technologies that's out there, People that are interviewing have a great leg up on how to interview that I didn't have. It's whether you wanna take advantage of it. You can go to Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn right now and give a great interview just by studying and being prepared and answering the right way. I mean, it's um, I think it, the prep is easier these days. And so between the prep and the sustainability, um, just sitting down and having a great conversation and not a Q&A is the best approach nice. to having an interview, at least to me, because uh-huh. um, I want to know about you and your family and what you like to do and and, and how you like to get things done and, and more know you as a human being than I'm going to hire, probably more than than the professional work you're going to do. That's probably the most important to me right now.
1: I'm afraid that in some ways we have, even in HR, with my background, we kind of miss the essentials that are really vital when we hire people. I used to follow the model of I, I need attitude, I need character, and I need skills, and which includes learnability, they're willing to learn. And sometimes we'd always go with the skills, and I think that's what you're saying, mm-hmm. Jay. Yes. That attitude and that character is vital, but easy to overlook in times. And most of us when in hiring safety professionals kind of fall asleep at the wheel.
2: Absolutely agree. (laughs) And not to say that any specific type, but we're hiring someone, as Jay is saying, is very transactional, very skilled in the paperwork, but then you throw them out on the shop floor, you have them talk and want want them to be influential in a group, and then there is the struggle.
1: And that's why, Jay, BCSP has been very wise and strategic. In partnering with the Dale Carnegie organization because that's that's our sweet spot that's mm-hmm. our strength and so when we couple the strong technical aspect with that it makes a big deal
2: yes
3: you just reminded me of something I like to do uh, when I interview people that's really um, really solves a lot of the way I've improved from the mistakes in the past uh, just give me a presentation on yourself uh-huh. give me a presentation, even if it's on a simple PowerPoint uh-huh. on on yourself. Uh, tell me about your bio first in a presentation. Let me see your skills um, standing up in, in front of some of the team members. And I think that is a great way to get through some uh, challenging parts of an interview and really relax people. Uh, start with the presentation, but but not not anything intense. But just more. I want to hear about you first. Present it. Show me a picture of your your dog, your cat, or your family. Uh, I love that. Where you're from? What's your favorite thing to do? Uh, you know the, the the greatest university, obviously in 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 the United States the University of Pittsburgh. I want to see that uh, that Cathedral of Learning um, or the
2: football stadium Who down at Who got this Oxford guy in stadium. here
1: for this interview?
2: <laughs> Who <brought him laughs> in The greatest university. Yeah. But I want to kind of piggyback on sweet spot. You talked about, you know, Dale Carnegie, leadership is the sweet spot. Mm. We all have a sweet spot. I have my sweet spot. Jay, what is your sweet spot and how did you unveil what your sweet spot mm. is and how do you encourage other seasoned leaders or people who are new to the profession to really find their sweet spot and, and really go with that, but still always becoming well-rounded, but really thriving in your sweet spot? What is your sweet spot? How did you get there? And how mm. do you encourage others to get to theirs?
3: My sweet spot, and I don't want to be cliche, I'll tell you why, my sweet spot is leadership because at a young age everybody told me that to be successful in safety you needed all these important components right you needed the regulatory compliance you needed management commitment and you needed management leadership and i'd always sit back and say what the heck does management leadership mean for to be successful in safety because it never really spelled out uh that vortex of a word like sustainability is a little bit of a challenging word what does that all mean And so I started to try and understand it it just intrigued me enough that it became my sweet spot that, okay, what does leadership mean in safety? Oh, it means I should write an article on how to be a leader in safety, which is kind of my first step in uh, uh, professional safety back in 2004. Oh, wait, that's not really leadership. Maybe I should be saying Oh heck! I have core value for safety, and I need to make sure nobody gets hurt. And if you hurt somebody, I'm going to yell at you. Is that leadership? I don't know. Uh, but as I progressed through my career, um, I found a doctoral program that was near me in corporate leadership, and and wrote my my dissertation on um, what CEOs said about safety as leaders of their of uh, high performing safety organizations. So, it's begun. This I'm still not finished. I, I want to understand more and more about the different styles of leadership, leadership of different people. Uh, and that was just kind of how it how it happened for me. That, that was my sweet spot. And I think mm. the reason I found my sweet spot is because I kept trying to find my sweet spot because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what it is. And it may change and that's OK, too. But um, I didn't know what my sweet spot was, but I thought it was leadership. And that's what I, I stuck with. And yeah. um, part of finding that was the self-discovery we talked about earlier.
1: What does servant leadership look like in the ES&H environment? I mean, we can say it real easy, but what's going on with that? What's it look like in boots on the ground?
3: You exist as a safety professional to serve others so they can be successful and safe at work. Mm. And you exist as a safety professional to ensure that not only are people safe at work through you serving them, but also you serve the company in the economy by protecting the environment, by helping the company be successful in, in the widgets you're making, that's your role. Uh, and quite honestly, without the company, there is no eh So the quicker you can get to the point where I exist to protect people to serve the organization so we can make our, our widgets safely for our customers, if you can get to that point in your career, which has taken me a long time to get to, uh, you'll be pretty successful in this field.
1: There's. One other thought I want to say. It's something that came up in our earlier conversation. Trust. Trust. Foundational. Talk to us, Jay, your perspectives for the health and safety leader. Where does trust come in? Because I got a title. I got a name. I got got letters behind my name.
3: It means nothing if you don't have trust. Mm -hmm. And there's two types of trust. Trust of character and trust of intent. And how you get trust from people is by meeting your commitments. So when when Merle says, Jay, I need you to do these five things for us this week for us to be successful in safety. And you tell me the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and how to do it this week. And you say, Jay, can you get that done? And I say, Merle, thumbs up. I can get it done. And then on Friday, you ask me if I got it done. I got it done and here's why and here's how. And that helps develop trust. Mm. Trust is meeting your commitments and um, quite honestly, treating other people as if you want, how you want to be treated, which for me is, is, uh, you know, that's the the quintessential golden rule of servant leadership. You see that a lot with like Southwest Airlines and, um, uh, and you know, Chick-fil-A and some of those companies when they talk about servant leadership, but, you know, trust with, with, If you have no trust, you have no career, really. It's foundational to a leader. It's a foundational to a human being. And working on trust and and communication to build trust is important.
2: And I think trust is not one-sided. Trust is really rooted in the people. And I think some, some EHS professionals, we need to remind ourselves it's not trust with just the senior leadership that we report into without any regard for the people. Trust is Absolutely. truly amongst the people, about building that with the people.
3: Yes. You're not going to influence people in safety that work with you, for you, or above you if, if they don't have your trust.
1: Uh, Jay, um, my final question is, you've been down the trail some, and if you had had somebody that back when you were 22 or whatever that magical age was, that could have given you a piece of advice, I wish that advice had been given to me what would best advice be that you'd say that really would been worth my while?
3: Find that mentor, find your mentor at a young age and stick with that mentor. You know, find somebody in the profession that you can talk to, not a coach. You know, coaching comes along a, a little bit later, I think, in your career, but a coach, you know, nonetheless, maybe you find a coach early that helps you problem solve. But but for me, I, I wish I would have had, a, a, I had some mentors at different parts of my career that were extremely helpful, I wish I would have really reached out and kept a steady cadence and pace throughout my career with um, with some mentors. At least I I wish I would have searched them out early on, and I think the reason I didn't was because I was still it goes back to being insecure and not knowing all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's okay not to know the answers, and it's okay to reach out to somebody so you yes. can learn uh, from the best, really. Wise,
2: right? And to even expand on that a little bit more. I I think we, Jay, collectively as EHS professionals are at the stage of our career where we recognize that it is also our individual social responsibility to make ourselves available as a mentor. Because yes, we are busy with children and family and demanding careers and just life but from a social responsibility perspective, we need to fulfill the role as a mentor and make ourselves available to a mentee. I think sometimes there's a disconnect where mentees are looking for someone. But it, is, it should be a natural progression. We have to meet them where they are. They're 22, they're 23 years old. I've got some 22, 24, 27 year olds in the household. <laughs> and sometimes you, you lose your weight in trying to find a so-called mentor. Um, we know what that's supposed to look like. We understand the mentor-mentee relationship. So we should be an active participant in that. That is our individual social responsibilities to society as a whole.
3: Uh, 100% agree. And a a good way to find your mentor, go to those professional development courses Mm -hmm. from BCSP or the American Society of Safety Professionals or the National Safety Council. Go to those, uh, you know, you you see some of the most wonderful human beings and and mentors and, and leaders in those organizations that you could possibly find in, um, in, in EH&S. And you know, I, I think of Skipper Kendrick or Joel Tejins all the time, uh, people that kind of imparted knowledge to me at a young age and are just great mentors. So uh, reach out, find out, find them, find them. You're right.
1: And there's something to be said about that statement, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. Mm-hmm. Because when we come to that point and say, I need somebody, I need that, then somehow, some way that person shows up. And so we have to
2: be alert to those people who may be seeking us out, yeah. and reach out. And that's and sometimes that's a natural environment that gets created. Mm-hmm. And the best to me one of what I found out especially with my mentees is the the environment that gets created is be, is through providing an internship program for EHS college graduates. We have the authority and capacity to decide whether or not we hire interns in the, in, in, in the summer. Let's, let's exercise that authority now that we're at this stage mm-hmm. of our careers to allow for a summer intern for someone that's coming out of an EHS program or thinking about EHS. Then you will start to see a natural fit and gravitation from the internship to a mentor-mentee relationship. Jay yep,
3: absolutely mm-hmm.
2: thank you for this time
1: uh, uh, you know
2: thanks Jay the
1: interesting thing about doing this <laughs> is you we've had different people who had different lines of thinking they wanted to go into and all have been to
2: enrich yes Jay's others. a scholar too I mean yeah. this guy's a scholar he <laughs> could hold class so thank you again yes. so
1: much for your commitment to the well-being of other
2: people
3: and we no. letting us listen in on it Thank you both for for having me today. It's been wonderful. I've certainly enjoyed it. Thanks so much.
2: Thank okay. you. Good See you on the other side. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Jay is a constant learner, and that has worked to his credit. He hasn't been stagnant in learning. He's been willing to go forward.
2: Great minds think alike, because here on my notes, I put constant learner, and he truly is, and I think that is a distinguishing factor between the goods and the greats
1: because when we get too satisfied well i know this i know this we lose our sharpness our curiosity is stifled Mm -hmm. and there's something about getting involved in learning that opens up new horizons it's not just college classes it's it's what he talked about the lean manufacturing and to put himself in a place where he's uncomfortable But all of a sudden he says, I see new things.
2: You're absolutely right. And I think when we are stagnant in that space and not learning, we have a tendency and a propensity to dig our heels in.
1: And we expect our people to be able to adjust, pivot, and go different directions than what we present to them. Mm -hmm. We have to set the example of the spirit of the learner. Great stuff from Jeff.
0: Thanks for listening to My Big Safety Challenge, a podcast produced in partnership by Dale Carnegie and BCSP with your hosts, Dale Carnegie Master Trainer Merle Heckman and Tiffany Felix, Senior Vice President of Global Environmental Health and Safety for Paramount Global. Executive produced by Charlie Eltringham, supervising producer Michael Escobedo, audio engineering and editing from Michael Escobedo and Giachi Liu, editorial support from Tyson Matthews, consulting producers are Colin Brown and Mark Sullivan. To have new episodes delivered directly to you, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. If you would like to share your story of a safety leadership challenge you faced, email us at info at mybigsafetychallenge.com. See you next time.
1: Hey listeners, this is Merle Heckman, host of My Big Safety Challenge podcast. I imagine that if you're listening to this podcast, then you have some sort of safety responsibility in your job. Maybe you're a seasoned safety pro leading EHS programs, or maybe you're in HR and safety is one of the many responsibilities you have. No matter what your situation is, you are looking for ways to be a better leader. Well, I'd like to tell you an opportunity that's available from Dale Carnegie and BCSP. We've put together a leadership course just for safety professionals. We've taken the Dale Carnegie course and all its principles and weaved in the whole safety world to help you as a safety professional to have more influence. In the course, you will learn how to properly connect with other people and then build upon that with the ability to have collaboration, creating an atmosphere where people feel like it's safe emotionally to work together, and then allow you to learn how to lead and guide people who make mistakes, who want to do well, gives you the chance to know how to guide them with so much more. If you're interested, please click the link in the episode description or visit MyBigSafetyChallenge.com and look for the BCSP and the Dale Carnegie course link at the bottom of the page. We'd love to see you be a part to benefit your organization.